again. What is your fastest quick change? I think... Careful. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, how much time do we have? 15 seconds? Yeah. I want to say. Underneath, or is that complete outfit change? Yeah, so you underdress. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so you un yeah, you underdress. There's at one point I'm wearing three costumes. Woo. Um, which like super super hot. Did you have did you have cotton swabs? Did you have cotton swabs under your armpits so that you didn't just like start sweating <laughs> through your costumes? Uh, I wish. Well, actually, under the costumes is like an undershirt. There it is. Um, as well as like the mic pack and all that stuff. Um, oh, the freeze the undershirt. But like, it's it's so gross, man. That undershirt was disgusting. I had to get a new one. You gotta, you got yeah, you gotta put the undershirt in the freezer before you put it on, so that it's chilled. I used to do, I like not much, but I used to do some like pit stop fueling, like once in a blue moon. Yeah. Um, and to do that, you've got to have like, I think like if I go from memory from the toes, you used to have. Race boots, normal socks, fireproof socks, fireproof long johns, um, and then a fireproof shirt that hooked between your legs so that there wasn't any break in the seam. Um, a fireproof short sleeve shirt, a pair of fireproof trousers, coveralls, mm. first set of fireproof gloves, then proper fireproof gloves that hooked around the elbows. And then I would do balaclava, bigger thing on the neck, and then helmet. Yeah. Um, and my, I made a, not a mistake once, but basically they had this weird thing in one of the series we did where you, I don't know if it was you weren't allowed, but they really hated it if you were in full fireproofs on the grid. And no one could ever, right. like, if you, went, if you went to go on the grid in full fireproofs, they got really angry at you because what, I think it was because what one team did was the driver that started the race had to do the outlap and had to do qualifying. But what they did was they had the driver do the outlap and then on the grid swap drivers. So they were like, you can't have a helmet and balaclava and all that kind of stuff on the grid. So I had to be on the grid, but then you've probably got about five or six, like you've got like the first, second and third lap where we're not going to refuel. But if the car comes in on like the third lap, you're probably going to refuel it just because like give it that little bit extra. Um, and I think my best was with help. I got from like normal mechanics clothes and stuff like that, team gear into full fireproofs in two minutes flat which that's, that's great yeah, someone put the helmet on for me which is a disconcerting feeling because i was like down here doing my shoes up and someone just went <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, yeah that was like that was like with the show like you're you have a uh, a quick change person and then you have yeah. like a wig person that's helping you put your your wig on yeah and like you're in the middle of doing stuff and they're just like whoop and you're like oh, okay yeah. cool and they're just like and then it's like right after you finish the change, you got to go on, like regardless of how you feel, regardless of it's just it's got to be perfect. One of one of my favorites was actually one of my first where it, this was back in middle school. 
mm. and it was for Annie and I was playing the dog and then the butler. So I had a butler's tails underneath this bear fur that was tre treated to look like a dog fur. It was all fake. They should have just, just made you way. like that dog butler that people have at like their front door. Honestly, I wish because then should have just been the mix. Then I had this. I had this thing strapped on my head, which was dog ears, and then my face was painted to look like a dog. So once I was done as the dog, I came off. I ripped this thing off. I've got two costume ladies pulling this fur off me and I've got another two scraping the makeup off my face as a <laughs> and then like uh that one probably wasn't very quick but I didn't have to be on again right away what's like yeah. what so we'll do one more question then we we'll what's the best like diet out thing you had so one of the jobs I was given first was um when we were running the Ginettas, like it was only like a 20, 30 lap race. So you wouldn't always like, you wouldn't change tires. One, one set of tires would do. But one of the first things I had was like, we were doing practice during qualifying and I was given the job of being the guy in front with the lollipop. And I thought that was a really big responsibility until I realized that those drivers will do the pit speed limit, which is 60 miles an hour until they are basically hitting you. So someone's going to go from 60 miles an hour and then in six feet want to stop. And I was told, right, your job is once he stops, you spray the windscreen or you have like big sheets of, um, it's almost like cellophane on the, on the windscreen that you just grab and tear off, right? So my first couple went okay. And then we were in the race. And one of our drivers had like a thing where something got caught in the front grill. So he came in hot. I was stood in front. He misjudged it by two feet. I'm stood two feet, like I'm stood on the line and he missed it by two feet. So I jumped onto my knees because that was better than my legs being taken out, slid up the bonnet, grabbed the tear off, fell off the car side, <laughs> wagged out of the way. And they completed the pit stop and no one said a thing. And I was like, I waited till the evening and went, guys, I was hit by a car today. We're not going to talk about that. And they went... <laughs> No, you jumped over it, man. What? what? Yeah. What do you mean? They were like, we great. thought you really committed to the pit stop. And I was like, hiding <laughs> up the bonnet on my knees, grabbing the tear off and then falling on the ground. At which point, the team boss grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and just pulled me out of the way. I laid on the floor for a minute and went, well, I need to get back up. <laughs> <laughs> well, who didn't Continue. somebody, I, didn't somebody like recently, didn't one of the F1 drivers like, break their one of their pit crew's foot or something because he misjudged oh, okay. it yeah wasn't that like wasn't that at imola or was that the other one i can't remember who it was. i don't remember either but that definitely happened like recently anyway what what's yeah. your quest what was your question for us well like so you you two have, are both in industry like where you mean like you mean like screwing something up but making it look normal well, like, you know, going on and having to sing a song but you haven't quite got that right shoe on kind of thing like i've got to do this there's no way around this well in in guys my yeah we i'm sure we both got tons my family's favorite was in guys and dolls in grade 12 um 
you have as Sky Masterson, I have to give a marker to someone to like say that, oh, I'll be back and I'll do this thing for you, right? So I'm supposed to have a piece of paper in one of my six pockets that I'm just going to hand to her. And then that's the end of the scene, basically. And I walk off stage. Well, I, I hadn't put the piece of paper in my suit. <laughs> so I'm getting up to the line where I'll give you my marker. And I'm going, all right, I'm going to reach into my coat now. Because at this point, I would have thought about giving her my marker. So I reach into the pocket where I think it is. And I go, oh, well, it's not in there. So I check the other coat pocket. No, it's not in there. I start checking all the pockets in my suit and my mom's in the crowd and she's gone. Oh no, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. Cause my mom's a costume lady. And so she knows, right? Yeah. And so she's just sat in the crowd going, how the hell's he going to, what's he going to do? Cause he doesn't have it. He doesn't have his marker. And I just, I just go, well, I would give you a marker, but it appears I don't have one. But I'll give you one later, and then I and then we ended the scene. <laughs> we kept going. <laughs> oh, wow. So good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mine actually ended with five stitches in my leg, but. Oh yeah. Uh, that's yeah. A good so. One too. New Year's Eve, um, two thousand nineteen. Yeah. This, this, this is like, the same show he was talking about earlier. The We yeah. Will Rock You tour. Yeah. This is what I thought was going to be like the the worst thing to happen in 2020 and then like three months later we had a pandemic right yeah. uh, so during during fight call so there's like this this f double fence thing and then there's a motorcycle in front and i have to like make my way through the fence like this little crack around the motorcycle jump up on this table and then fight yeah. uh and so there's a song before where I'm like one character and then I have to run off kind of at the end, do a quick change, come on as this other character and do a fight. And so during this, this song, when I was the one character, uh, the first one, I had the leads can't like step back. They stepped on my shoe and yeah. like you're wearing jazz runners for, you know, dancing and untied. And I was like, oh shit, I have to do like a box jump onto this table and then finish. I still have like half the song left to do to finish the, the the dance and i'm like i can't not do this choreography i can't like stop and just like tie my shoe up and so i'm like oh god okay push the lead like out of the way i'm like okay then i can get my shoe and so i'm like trying to do the dance i'm like hitting the fence gotta jump up i jump up and i can feel the thing slipping off and i was like oh shit like i gotta dance i gotta jump off this thing now what do i do and i like looked at an audience member and i was like they noticed something was going on and then i like just kicked my foot up, grabbed the shoe, chucked it upstage center, like made eye contact. They're laughing. And I was like, ha ha ha, <laughs> jump off, finish the dance with one shoe on. I go to run off to do the quick change. I slip and fall backstage like nobody could see. Slip, fall, eat shit. And I'm like getting my other costume on, doing this quick change. Actually, this is probably the quickest quick change. This was probably around 12, 12 seconds, maybe 10 seconds. Where, like, I just have to get this jumpsuit on and a helmet and then run back on. And so I get the jumpsuit on. The stage right uh, stage manager, or ASM, hands me my shoe or chucks me my shoe. Put it on, tie it up, go to run on. The fence is fine, but the motorcycle, the wheels pointed upstage instead of downstage. And so there's no room 
to get through and I didn't notice. And so I like, I hit it with my leg oh. and I was like, Oh God, I have to jump on this, this table now. And I go to jump on the table and I lost momentum hitting the motorcycle. So I, I just like hit my toe off the edge of the table cause I didn't have the momentum and just like it slipped off and I caught my shin. I sliced it open on this like aluminum corner through uh two layers of uh costume my my fight partner saw it and was like and you have to like make eye contact before you fight right just to like be safe and she's like and i'm like go like just keep going finish the thing intermission screen comes down and i was like oh god that's gonna suck like that hurt and i was like oh it's probably just like a i don't know i just nicked little ding to myself yeah, like it might be really bruised. Like I might have cracked it. I don't know. It hurt really bad. And go off and they have like paramedics come around, lift up my my leg and it's just sliced open, bleeding everywhere. So put put a bunch of gauze on it. And uh, I was like, I need something elastic. Like I need to finish the show. And so uh, the uh, stage left ASM had hockey tape. And I was like, perfect. Just like <laughs> wrapped it up around my sock and uh, finished the, finish the show. And then I took the night off to to go sit in the hospital for 10 and a half hours missed new year's and uh i only missed that night show and then i came back but yeah as far as anybody else knew nothing had happened like because you can't really see during the fight if i you know messed up or anything because i like slipped hit my leg but then like climbed over the table yeah and was able to keep going but yeah slice me leg open real fun on that on the and on that terrible disappointment it's time to end no i'm kidding <laughs> welcome to better Bye. luck next week sean needed better luck in that show yeah i think better luck two years ago yeah better luck now uh we've got lots to talk about this mm-hmm. afternoon we'll start with imola we want to address that super league debacle that's going on and then uh, the women's world championship was canceled again and so we'll touch on that as well. But we'll start with Imola, of course. Start with Imola. Um, you're booing the fact that it was canceled, right? Yeah. Yes. So we'll start with Imola, though, because that was, that was the big story of last weekend, the big topic that we cover, Formula One, of course. Now, did, did you all write down who you wanted to win? Uh, yeah, I got, I got two right one wrong and i got the order wrong with all of them so yeah i think i have two points as well because i had hamilton verstappen ricardo mm-hmm. and it was of course verstappen hamilton norris so i have two points for that i had leclerc hamilton and verstappen so you actually have two points or norris the... no 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 who did i i think it was it was lando wasn't it that i, chose? I don't know was I it i can't remember i don't you know didn't it write it down did week. you no no I said it in a video. It's recorded. It's somewhere. Why do I need to write that down? Come on. All right. Well, we'll give because now you because you can keep track because that's what we do. All right. Well, go back and watch your own podcast and figure it out. I don't need to because it's not my job. Go figure out who you have. It literally is your job. All right. It's your podcast. All right. Chill. Hey, you're blowing up everybody's eardrums and speakers and everything. Don't do it. You'll strain yourself. We'll just assume that Sean also has two points, I guess. Yeah. Because he can't be bothered to write anything down. I'm going to bother to write your face. So, anyways. Concrete. Now he's giving people ASMR. 
Uh, this was an interesting race, partly because it was drenched. Yeah, for two thirds of it. It was it was an exercise in teams not knowing what to do. <laughs> right, and when when do we when do we put when do we take off our wet tires? Do we take off our wet tires at all? The funniest bit as well was there was a load of team that went on inters. Like it was it was hilarious watching them run about because all the teams went inters. We're gonna put inters on. Put the inters on, and then Alonso binned it, and everyone went. Maybe the wets. Maybe we should put the wets on. And then like Lando came round and went, no, it's an inter. And you could see all of the teams with the tires covered looking at each other going, What what tire have you got? What tire have you got? <laughs> what and do we do? Like what, when do, you, I what do you guys want to do? Bell's little uh, Bell's younger brother is like been watching it and I have to like explain some things. And he went, Why are all the guys with the tires not revealing what tires? And I was like, It's a game. They're playing <laughs> chess. That's it, what they do. First move, and they have to go. No, 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 we've got these tires on, and there'll be one team down the grid. Which, unfortunately, this weekend was Alpha Tauri, who everyone else had inters on, and they had wets, and they went, "Oh, we might be all right." And then Pierre Gasly went backwards for the like a long time, and they were almost like a petulant child. Like everyone went, "I've got inters on, and the inters are working really well." Your drivers aren't doing very well, guys. Gonna keep the inters, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep the wets on. You watch, it'll happen. And it didn't happen for another five laps, and then they went, Can I keep the wets on? And the wets got even worse, and it still didn't help. And they went, We're gonna keep the wets on still. And everyone was just going, just put him on a set of fucking inters. Just please. <laughs> watch them go backwards through the grid. Um Yeah, and then and then Gasly I mean he had he had a couple of issues, but still ended up seventh. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, but Sonoda had issues too. I mean, he spun out also. Yeah. It wasn't a... If you wanted to write a recipe of what you didn't want for the second Grand Prix in a race car, intermittent difficult conditions because it was raining at one side of the circuit and not raining at the other side of the circuit. So the tyre basically doesn't really... It's difficult to explain, but the wet tires are designed in such a way that if you put a wet tire on a Formula One car and drive it in dry conditions, it overheats because it's been designed in such a way that it performs best in wet weather conditions, which means it's going to have rain over it and getting it cool. So they overheat. So the problem is, is that for half the lap, they're overheating, which when they overheat, they then lose their grippiness, so they're getting slidey. And then when you then cool them by going through wet 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 driving they're then not as grippy and then basically you get to the end of the lap before you go back into the dry bit and they're kind of working again and very difficult to predict um so i i think if you were a rookie in this field and you made it through this race well done well um some of them did and some of them didn't and speaking of wet and slippy the biggest story from this uh, that's caused the biggest argument uh, between us is the George Russell Valtteri Bottas collision. And whose fault was it? Was it even necessary? And, and, and all this. Now, my view on this situation is that 
this corner is not where you should be passing anyone period because, because of a video that because James actually said you shouldn't exactly actually from James a video May. from top race Gear, car f1 legend where James May. for a minute and i'm going to ask questions where no let me explain where james may and jeremy clarkson went over the new track and they talked about how when you're braking at this turn you want to be on the left right because you don't want to be over the on left the left or right yeah left the left right but you can center i have two points on this one you cannot use two fat old men who have never won a race in their lives as the points of opinion for people in Formula One cars. People in Formula One cars have been overtaking a piece of track at Imola for fucking years. Michael, oh, have they? Done it. All of them have done it. Senna did it. They have all gone around the outside. There is also the point that it's a fucking DRS zone. So what? Recently. DRS zone, which DRS is to incentivize overtaking. So why would they put it there and then go, no, you shouldn't overtake there? Obviously, right. it wasn't the right move. Yep, fine. I will take that it wasn't the right move. Right. But there is more than to this. This is Right, not so my next point was that you can clearly see on the track where the dry line is because it's been driven enough for that section of the track to, to dry up. And there's a bit on the left that's wet and a bit on the right that's wet. Bottas clearly takes the dry line he does twitch i'll give him that he twitches mm -hmm. unnecessary twitch mm -hmm. however even if he didn't twitch there's still enough room for george to not have to go on the grass twitch or not there's enough room for him to stay on the track but right. it's a wet track so really in my opinion, why is George taking this risk against the guy whose seat he's likely going to take over anyways? The immortal words of Art and Senna, if you no longer go for a gap that is there, you are no longer a racing driver. George Russell is a racing driver. There is a gap there. He went for it. But okay? there wasn't a gap there because it, it was. was wet. It was. You said there was a gap. If there is a gap big enough Didn't to Didn't say there up, was a gap. Did I did I use the word gap? No, I didn't because there was there was not a gap. There was enough room. But in my opinion, what he tried to do there was not a gap. There was more of a gap on the left side, to be frank. But again, it's a wet track. Why are you taking that risk on a wet track when you're an inferior car against the team who's managed by the guy who's going to bring you up anyways? Like... Just wait for a safer time because it was obvious in the way that George was driving that he was going to take Bottas. It was yeah. obvious that he was going to take him. So if you're already right on the tail of Bottas in that first turn, stay on him until there's a better opportunity to overtake him, which there would have been in a couple of turns. 
look, I can I can understand what you're saying. The, my my points on this are that I think blame is blame to me is almost sixty forty. Now, from George Russell's perspective, he's gaining on a Mercedes. He's probably got the momentum and the battery charge because they have to have laps where they charge the batteries and then laps when they dis, you know, dispel that charge to help the car go faster. The longer he sits behind Bottas in the dirty air, the harder his car is to drive and the more difficult it is. It's just more difficult. Once you're within about a second of the car in front, it is difficult to drive because of the air. We know that. Did he go for a gap that was going to be difficult? Yes. Was there theoretically enough space? If you watch Bottas's line on previous laps, which George will have when he's been behind him, there was about a car and a half to two cars gap when Bottas took that line. Should George have gone for that move? Well, the problem is, is that he's a racing driver. As a racing driver, he wants to go past. He wants to overtake Valtteri Bottas, go around because it's a very, very important thing for Williams. Is it a wet track at Imola, second weekend in the car? Not his most advised move, and I'm sure from the stuff that George has come out, that's fine. The thing for me is, Bottas is the more experienced driver. He knows George is coming past him because he's got an engineer in his ear giving him constant updates. And those constant updates will have been, George is three seconds behind you. George is two seconds behind you. George is within overtaking range. George is one and a half seconds behind you. George is within DRS range. We think George is going to go for you at the next DRS zone. So Bottas knew he was behind him. He knew he was behind him. And the thing that no one can explain to me and no one can completely get is that 190 to 210 mile an hour, why he did that? Because no one can tell me because racing drivers don't change their line. There's nothing, there's no speed to be gained by doing that. There's no, he's on the dry line. So there's no reason the car would have twitched without his responsibility. So explain to me why he knows when George Russell is coming past him. Now, pushing the line out and defending him, defending his, like defending the racing line, he's within his right to do. But he didn't do that. Twitched at 190 mile an hour. And now where it goes wrong is because he's, George is driving into a gap that's going to disappear. It's going to close. Fine. But I would say that it, the rules in Formula One is as soon as the front wheels of the opponent's car in front of your rear wheels, the move is, you know, he's already next to you. You can't then defend yourself. Take the front of the car out. The twitch is the bit for me because at 190 mile an hour, the cars are probably a foot apart and there's a little twitch and George reacts and that causes him to go on the grass. Now, what happened after, I don't want to comment on because I don't think it's beneficial to the sport to talk about that. But if someone can to explain to me why Valtteri Bottas twitched at 190 mile an hour, then I will sit there and I'll go, this is 100% George Russell's fault. But if you could tell me that 190 mile an hour, trying to slide a car through a gap that is a foot wider than the car, and the guy you're driving past twitches, you're not going to shit yourself a little bit. I mean, if you do it on the motorway, someone's doing 60 and they twitch across, you fucking poo your pants. So, <laughs> yeah. A couple of times. I don't. I don't think there's anyone that can explain that other than Valtteri Bottas, and he's not going to. So I think it makes for exciting racing, and it's 
It does. An exciting it also outcome. Makes, and it also that. makes for an expensive bill Fantastic. for Williams and uh, Mercedes between now and next race. <laughs> Not yeah, my problem. Two chassis written off. Mm. So right, they had to write. It's basically. Uh, I don't have to fork over money for it. So yeah, let's go! Uh, Yay! Gav, can you, Gav, just can you turn the volume on your computer down? Because I think we are over. I think we're speaking over you because we're too loud on your end. So. Okay, is that better now? I think so. That's way better. Well, I have to go through everything, but the concern That's to me really is to move more on to this thing is that Toto Wolff's evidence behind this and his exact quote was that. Valtteri Bottas had had a bad 30 laps. This is a difficult this is a difficult weekend for Valtteri because he qualified in 8th. Now admittedly he was only 0.4 behind his teammate but okay, we can that happens. There was a lot of cars jammed into that. A lot of cars small. jammed very close to each other and yeah. 0.4 is not massive. Um but he was caught by George Russell on merit. There's there's no there's no arguing that there's no beating around the bush on that in in what is called inferior williams valtteri bottas was caught up and almost passed right and you can you can list whatever excuses you want oh the track was wet oh valtteri was having a shit weekend oh you know his car wasn't working properly oh whatever but mm. i at the end of the day, he was being caught up by Williams, which is historically not how it's supposed to go, like at all. Over the past couple of years, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. So, I mean, I think if we go to this more the pointy end of the grid, so uh, Max Verstappen did everything he needed to do. This is this is what Red Bull have wanted. Did for a long time now. Sergio Perez had a bad race, not his race he wanted. Well, but, and despite sliding too for Verstappen, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, Red Bull were able to put Lewis on an island where he had a Perez on his inside right and he had a Lewis Hamilton, uh, 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 Max Verstappen on his outside left and he had to pick which one he wanted to fight and he let Verstappen go. Um, he fought the move a bit, but it was kind of evident. Um, well, and the last the the last thing I'll say about this crash as well, the 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 Russell Bottas crash, yeah. is that it brought out a red flag, which allowed Hamilton to come back because he was a lap down. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense to me. And I don't understand why. Yeah, I do not understand why when there's a red flag that you're just allowed to unlap yourself. I can understand... I can understand the unlapping yourself because basically you then would have had all the drivers released and they would all have been in a random order where it, you have an opportunity to put them in the order they were on in, in on the road. Mm. But it's, it's difficult because you've basically given half the grid a free lap. Exactly. And I don't really agree with that. It would be like if you just, you know, gave an NFL team a free 10 yards down the field because somebody got hurt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That doesn't, Why? that needs, that needs looking at and it needs thinking about. Um, 
Well, because Hamilton was Hamilton was effectively gifted a spot on the podium in 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 this in this Grand Prix. A little bit, yeah. I mean, he was he was brought back to I think he was tenth or twelfth or something like that. Yeah. From um, and he was brought back up to. I mean, he was still in tenth, but the problem is he was in tenth in a Mercedes that was on a set of good tires with Lewis Hamilton behind the wheel, for lack of a better word. Right. So you know. Yeah, of course he was able to finish in second by the end of it. But if he were, if he had that extra lap to ke- to catch up, would he have finished in second? I say no, and that mm. then would have allowed somebody like Charles Leclerc, who you yep. said would be on the podium, to have been on the podium. Yeah, because I think without it, it would have been Verstappen, Norris, Leclerc, in yeah. theory. And Sites uh, would have been fourth. But the thing for me, the thing for me after this race is that you have a at least top eight. Maybe I think once Sonoda gets a bit more used to the Alpha Tauri top ten, that you could switch around quite easily, depending on the circuit. Because yeah, I think the Mercedes still has the pace because chart like. He worked his way through the rest of the field. Lando kept him behind for six glorious laps. But it happened eventually, and I think I could see it coming. I don't know if both of them were on the same tyre, whether the same thing would have happened. Mm. A little part of my heart thinks that it wouldn't, because I wanted Lando to get a second. Yes, we Um, know you are in love with Lando Norris, Gavin. It's It's not subtle at all. Um. But I think this showed that you could put all of these names in a hat and pull them out in another order. Maybe put Lewis Hamilton's name in there a few more times because that's the probability of the thing. But it could be any order. Well, especially because the weather had such a major effect on the field that it was literally a toss-up by the end. So, I don't know. What do you think, Sean? We haven't heard from you in a while. I have no opinions on this. Okay. Whatsoever. No perspective no perspective at all. Nothing? No. All right. Well then we'll talk <laughs> I have about nothing it. to add to this. Well then we, we'll give I've you said my piece. <laughs> we'll uh we'll do our we'll do our bit that we were gonna do last week about who you should cheer for because you've got a you've got an extra week to do some research of your own as well if you'd like after our, after we present our arguments. Because the next Grand Prix isn't until May second, which is the Portuguese Grand Prix. So they're out to Portugal now. But nice. I have three names written down here. I don't know how many names you were going to argue for, Gav. I've got... Um, Lando Norris. Anyone else? No. Lando Norris wasn't even going to be one of them. Oh, no. Really? Bullshit. You weren't going to argue for Lando Norris. Get out of here. No, no, I was going to get a pen and write some stuff down, but I... Because that's my... Like, those are my those are my drivers. I you don't want I'm, Sean on your team? No, I want Sean to have his own value and reason for loving him. Oh. Well, I'll start with Max Verstappen then. Uh, and I quite like Verstappen. I've liked him since he, was, since he joined. Um, first of all, he is the only dutch racer on the on the on the field which is fun there's 
about two of just about every other nationality here. Well, yeah, that's cool, right? Like he's he's you know he's he's in the he's he's you know a s- smaller representation of of his nationality. Same goes for Sergio Perez, uh, you know Yuki Tsunoda, and Antonio Giovinazzi, right? Uh, so all right. of that. So fun. what I've seen already from Perez and and Sonoda is just inconsistency. Well, Perez, you, you, that's because you weren't watching last year with Perez. Perez is consistent. Uh, again, this Grand Prix was more about the weather conditions and how their teams handled their drivers and the weather conditions than how the driver performed that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a team's a team, though. I'm going to root for somebody. I mean, I hope they got a good team backing them up, making good decisions, right? Right. And Red Bull focused on making sure Verstappen won this race rather than Perez being up at the top with him. And it's only his second weekend driving the car. Mm -hmm. Driving a Red Bull, which is designed for Max Verstappen. So uh, Verstappen has such a unique driving uh, style and technique uh, that makes him interesting to watch every time because as we've kept, as we've continued to say, the car is designed for Verstappen and literally nobody else can drive it. Like Albon could not drive it last year. Perez, I, th- I, I want to say he's had some modifications to the car so that he has a better time driving it. Don't quote me on that, but Perez so far is the only one in the Red Bull who's able, who has been able to drive it well enough to maintain uh, less of a smaller gap with Verstappen. And like I said, this weekend, this past weekend was more about the conditions uh, affecting Perez's ability to keep the car on the road. So, that's my argument for Verstappen. He's also always in second because Lewis Hamilton always wins. So it's that much more fun when Verstappen does win because it's like, oh, he finally got it. Right. Do you have, do you have, I thought we could go back and so, forth. So, oh, okay. Right. So my, my first one, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you your, your red hot competitor. I'm going to give you your heart throb, so the one you want because your heart wants them to get it. And then I'm going to give you your favorite person. Oh, your, your, he's thought about this this much, to be honest. So the first one is going to be the heart throb, and that has got to be Pierre Gasly. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you Pierre Gasly's story as I've known it. So Pierre was uh, a Red Bull factory driver. So he was employed by Red Bull and worked all the way through. Before he got into Formula One, um, he had a friend called Anton Anton Huber, who made it to Formula One and died in a horrific accident, Um, but he died. Shit. Uh, No, so he was in Formula Two when he passed away. Um, I'll have to check that. I apologize if I've got that wrong. He was Pierre Gasly. During a race? Yeah. I believe it was was Formula Two. I feel like I've seen it. Very, very shortly before he died, uh, Pierre Gasly had been in the Red Bull Formula One car um, and had got through a season and a half before Red Bull demoted him. They took him out of the Red Bull seat and put him in the Alpha Tower, which is the the, the B team, unfortunately, is, is, is what they are. Uh, and Anton told him, prove them wrong. 
almost a year later to the date, Pierre Gasly won a Grand Prix. Yeah, it was very emotional. Dedicated it to his friend that passed away. He has since been giving us some incredible performances in the AlphaTauri, which should not be as fast as it is. It is it is Red Bull's second team. It should not be doing this well. It, it shouldn't be. It should be 12th or 13th or sometimes in the points. Last year in hit, he was sensational. He was incredible. He won a race. He had a couple of podiums. He was brilliant. He donates as much money as he can to charity. He's just generally a very, very nice guy and has had one hell of a comeback story. He went from a point in Red Bull where he had no confidence and stuff like that and basically just couldn't do anything right to now a guy who is one of the talents of the sport and is just a a, a, a brilliant guy to watch. He's, he's brilliant. And and that's that's why I think that, you know, he's not, he's not going to win races. We don't know where he's going in the future. Uh, at the end of this year, he's out of contract with Red Bull, so he can go where he wants. But for me, he is just one of those drivers that just has such an interesting story that it is just he's just a beauty and a glory to watch. And that's why I think Pierre Gasly would be one of your guys on your list just because of his story. All right. You want to talk about a heartthrob. You got to talk about Daniel Ricardo. This guy is probably one of the best looking guys on the grid first of all um australian so immediately more interesting as well with that glorious australian accent oh yeah there sheila oh yeah hi there go drive my formula one car (laughs) gonna be amazing um he was actually promoted to red bull as a replacement for another Australian driver, Mark Weber, who retired uh, after um, him and Sebastian Vettel had issues. And I'm sure it was a bit of a breath, breath of fresh air for Red Bull and Sebastian Vettel because Weber and Vettel did not get along at all. Hmm. And it was blindingly obvious. So to have, I'm sure when Vettel got told that another Australian was going to replace the Australian that he did not like, uh, he was um, probably not pleased. But to but to that point, he also had sorry nickname in Formula One. Ricardo then finished third in three uh in in the three championships with his first three Formula One wins. So he finished third. In, in in Canada, Hungary, and Belgium, uh, and he's he's always been sniffing around the top, uh, but has has never quite been in the right car to do it. Uh, McLaren, I guess, is hoping that they are the right car for him to do it. It's obvious that Renault wasn't, uh, but with his time with Red Bull and even before that with Toro Rosso. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him and Lando Norris now with McLaren, in my opinion, is, I mean, one, the best looking team on the grid mm-hmm. and two, the most fun team on the grid. Okay. I, I can't argue with that one. Do you? Yeah, I have no arguments against Pierre Gasly either, so. You know his nickname, though. 
Um, I don't think so. His nickname is the Honey Badger. Oh, right. Yes, I did know that. <laughs> because in his first season in F1, in, in your first season in F1, you're meant to be the rookie. Mm. You're not meant to try and overtake everyone. Like, he would send absolute dives down the inside of, like, Jensen Button or Kimi Raikkonen or, like, the guys that had been there for, like, 15 years. And Alonso. Lonzo. Kubica. <laughs> yeah, I've got the rookie in my rearview mirrors. He won't send it down the inside. And Daniel Ricciardo just went pew. All right, you got another name for us, Gab? I, I, I have, I have your rookie. Who should be your rookie? And your rookie should be Yuki Sonoda. Because okay, he has bundles of talent and no fear. He wears a lot, like me. Wears a lot, yeah. Admittedly, it's his second race in Formula One. Okay, he came 12th. In his first race in Formula One, he scored points and he overtook. Let's just go through the names Kimi Raikkonen, Sebastian Vettel, and Fernando Alonso. I was going to say, yeah, Alonso too, right? He's so also, he, he also, despite spinning out on yeah. this past weekend, he got back in it and still finished 12th and beat the other rookies. Yeah. He is also hilarious and a bundle of fun. As so we've seen happy. by his Instagram trolling on yeah. the Yeah, F1 I think that's account. absolutely hilarious. Yeah. He is just fun. And also yeah. I have I, the the funnest dynamic to me is watching him have conversations about like what he likes to do with his time with his 34 year old Red Bull like kind of minder it's <laughs> right because he's 18 where, yeah. right 19 like they have one of the things which is like Toro Rosso behind the charge or something like that where they're walking along and he's like oh what do you listen to before the race we'll have to download a load of songs and get it going in the garage so everyone feels the sky like you know feels the energy and he went K-pop and you saw a 34-year-old man go, I'm going to have to do a Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to figure out what that is. <laughs> oh, God. I've gone, yeah. bit, I've gone a bit out of... Um, uh, I've got a bit out into left field for my next one. Okay. Um, I'm going with Kimi Raikkonen. And here's why. Partially to just royally upset Gav, which clearly it already has. So I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, Kimi is one of the oldest drivers here, obviously. Yeah, he, yes, yeah he's uh, t- fucking... He's 46. Okay. Yeah, 42 41. going on 60. He's 41 years old. Uh, in my opinion, he, he's he one looks, of the most... He looks older than my dad. In my, my opinion... 57. I don't know why you think he looks older than your dad weird um because he's i mean he does i I think he looks fine i don't know you've got a weird judge of age man he looks like he's in his 40s 
Also, Alonzo looks like a cross between Jeffrey Dean Morgan and um, Sasha Baron Cohen. I have no idea who Jeffrey Dean Morgan is. But Sasha Baron uh, Cohen is accurate. The, the bad dude on Walking Dead. Negan. Oh, yeah. Um, the guy that beat up Glenn, and then I stopped watching. Yeah. Nice. Anyways, Kimi Raikkonen. He's probably one of the most interesting men on this grid, and it's for the simple fact that he doesn't say anything until he absolutely has to, and then when he does, it's a personal attack against the person who asked the question, which is so funny because it, <laughs> they're literally just trying to do the job, their job, and Kimmy's just like, don't care. And it <laughs> to me, Good that's... Stuff. To me, that's hilarious because Kimmy could not care less about what happens to him. He couldn't care. He doesn't care if he finishes first or if he finishes last. Kimmy's out there because he's been asked to be out there and he's like, okay, I'll do it. Just doesn't give, just does not give a single damn about it at all. And I think that's hilarious. All right. All right. And Gavin's upset about it, so that's that's great. I'm not upset about it. So it's okay. You can be upset. Right, my, my, my last one is going to be your title challenger. Your he could do it all. And that changed is not, up how things are going on this. Yeah, a little bit. I forgot what I was talking about halfway through because I got so angry at you. Uh, it's Charles Leclerc. I'm sorry, but he if you have to if you had to pick a Formula One driver to swap lives with at some point, it's probably gonna be Charles Leclerc, like waking up in Monaco and going, which Ferrari shall I swan around in today? He's also very quick. And I think once Lewis Hamilton at some point in the next couple of years steps back and goes, I'm gonna go and do something else. Charles Leclerc is the person who I think honestly has the same amount of talent as Verstappen. And on both of their best days, I don't know who would come out on top. They've had a few battles over the past couple of years, and I think they will be battling for a few more years to come. I, don't I, know. I, th- I, I couldn't kind of... think which one would is better. I kind of think that guy's George Russell. I mean, you saw how fast he, how he drove up the field in Hamilton's car. You put Russell in a good car. Oh yeah, Russell, Russell in a good car, and I, he's I, gone. I I, the problem is, is that we haven't because he's been in the Williams and he doesn't get much as co- as much coverage. We haven't seen that much from Russell. We've had that one race where, yeah, okay, he was in a Mercedes and he disappeared off, and that was very impressive. But the the issue is, is that okay, he has never been out qualified by a teammate, but we don't know the caliber of teammates he's been up against. Mm, yeah, because really, the best he was qualifying nineteenth, and they were qualifying twentieth, and you're like, well. Best will in the world, Nicholas Latifi is guy from Canada. Yeah. Anyways, um, it would also be great if you could pronounce Charles Leclerc's name right. Well, when he says it, he says Leclerc. No, he doesn't. 
Anyway. Why would why would the commentators say Leclerc? Reasons. I I do like him a lot. So anyway, there Just you go. He's like, a super likable dude. You can uh you can decide from that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We won't we won't ask Nobody for said your Norris. We won't ask. Well, I I thought Gavin was going to argue Norris, for Norris, but Norris I, is his baby boy, and he doesn't want anyone else to touch him. Apparently, I'm 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 I am I am British. I am going to support the British drivers. Mm. That's yeah. that's just how that 100%. works. That's why how it that wasn't works. George Russell's fault, right? You look me in. The, you always do this. You're so <laughs> politician with it. You look gonna- me. You look the camera in the eye and you tell me that was a hundred percent one person's fault. No, I won't, because I, I don't feel go. that way. There we go. Nipple. The next time me and you are in cars, I'm gonna twitch at you at whatever speed you're doing and watch you crap your pants. <laughs> <laughs> See, but I'm gonna be expecting it now, so I'm just gonna keep driving straight and get round you. You Man, be- Norris was born in 99. Oh, his birthday's yeah. literally the day before mine. That's jokes. There you go. So I guess I guess the decision's nice been made boy. then. Anyways, we won't no. ask Sean for his decision yet, other than the fact that he's already decided on Norris because he's born the day before him. That's um, not true. Will I didn't say that. Right. right. I just said he's I like him and yeah, I like Leclerc. Yeah, no, 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 I know, I know. So that's why we'll come back to it next week. And I like Verstappen. We'll come back to it next week because we'll let Sean come to his own conclusions after our arguments have been made. Gavin mm-hmm. would like to tell us about the Super League because we know about it. We've It's been reported here in Canada that there's a Super League and that everybody's upset about it and now people are pulling out of it. But I don't think we really understand because I would say about 40 to 60% of North America doesn't really care so, about European soccer. It's, I, I understand that North America and all that don't really care. But the problem is, is that all of Europe, all of most of the African countries and... Basically, all, basically if you're... The rest- if, you, if your heritage is from outside of Canada, like I'm, I'm a purebred Canadian, right? Yeah. I'm third generation, whatever, right? But if you're not a, if you, if your heritage is from outside of North America, you probably care about this. So I exaggerate when I say forty to sixty percent, but yeah. So what has happened is in the UK, the way our you have so many football teams, the way the league system works is you have the premiership league which is the top now in that you have unlimited spending you get loads of money from tv rights and all that kind of stuff and the top 15 to 20 teams from memory play in that league if you are at the bottom of that league at the end of the year what happens to you is something called relegation yeah now, we understand happens- that concept yeah. so you then go down to the championship another 20 teams and you have to try and play only up or go down because money is no object at the top of the league you have six teams so i think from memory arsenal manchester united manchester city and uh, chelsea a couple of others. now these teams are always in the top six 
because they spend the most money. Because basically what happens is a player plays really well. You get a striker or a goalie or whatever plays really well on like the 20th team. Well, then as soon as he's available, the other team turn around and just, you know, Chelsea will just pay him more money than that, you know, that team can afford to pay. Would you like £70 million pounds well, a year? Please come I, play for Chelsea. I think for Manchester City, it was explained to me this week, the entirety of their 21-man roster, the entire salary cap hit for the year is a billion pounds. Why? Because they Ridiculous. can. That's so unnecessary. Because they can. So the issue with that is, is that for most of the year, so you have the Premiership, which is a game a week or a couple of games a week. Um, you also have the Champions League, which is basically you have versions of this league all over, you know, the UK, which is the biggest, and then a couple of teams in France, a couple of teams in Germany, da 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 da. da. Um, sorry, my laptop's flashing at me. Now, what that means is, is that in the UK, you have a top six team, which are spending billions of pounds on it. You have the top three or four teams in Spain. You have top three or four Spain teams in France. Now, the problem is, is that the matches that matter to those teams that make them a lot of money are when Arsenal play Chelsea or Man City play Manchester United. Those make them a lot of money. The ones that don't make them money is when Manchester United have to go down and play like Leicester City. Because Manchester United are going to beat Leicester City. Everyone knows that. Mm. And it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't really. And because these teams have such, you know, Manchester United have a ground that can hold 70,000 people. Leicester City have a ground that can hold 7,000 people. So it doesn't feel, make I feel like you're running around the point. Okay. Anyway, sorry. So there's a load of games for these teams that don't make sense, but it's part of the reason that UK football is so beautiful because the big boys have to play the little boys and there's pandemonium there because Leicester City might win but those don't make them any money so what these teams have decided is the top six teams in the UK and three teams in Spain and three teams in France and Germany have gone we're not gonna we're gonna separate off and have our own league called the Super League where the 12 of us are gonna play each other and not play anyone else no one else can get in it's invitation only and that's all we're going to do. We're only going to play each other. There's no relegation. If you win, you win. If you lose, that's it. Sounds like uh, some elitist bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So basically, everyone's gone, what the shit? Um, and FIFA laid out a pretty aggressive punishment, which was if you play in this Super League, you can no longer play in any FIFA ordained tournament. So that is anything basically if you're kicking a ball anywhere in the world it's organized by fifa the clubs can't play in any of those leagues the players even if they leave the club could not go to another team and then play for another team in something else and they could not then play for their country and that ban is lifelong so if you go and play in this super league you then can't play in anything else See, no, did they did they not expect this to happen? Like they not expect FIFA to be like, hey guys, by the way, uh, you're just what, not no. gonna be affiliated <laughs> with us anymore. Good luck. It would, like, yeah. it would be like if in hockey the top four teams went, We're not going to be part of the NHL anymore, we're gonna stop playing. 
Yeah, we're just going to make a league with we're just going to make a league now with the top Russian teams. Yeah, it'd be like top. we're going to play with the top 4 AHL teams who will play yeah. the top 4 Swiss teams. Yeah, and that's going to be our new league now. Yeah, which, which would be ludicrous cuz the travel costs would be astronomical <laughs> for that. Like, I mean, it, it was UK were that we're pretty protective over our football, so obviously the protests have been rather aggressive um but it was just all of these people with lots and lots of money going we're gonna make this our thing now and they then were shocked when everyone went no you're not and it just baffled me it just baffled me how these teams could these these 12 teams could think that they could go get by everyone and just That's what happens when you give people too no much money. Part of international competition. Well, it's yeah, also you give like too much money, and they they think they're a part of this elitist group above everybody else, and they should be in their yeah. own category. It's also just like a read the room situation where like hundreds of millions of people are losing their jobs, losing yeah. their income, dying, yeah. and you you elite twelve are just gonna be like. Oh, but we're amazing. Look at all the money we have. We're going to do this thing and make even more money. Like, what do you mean you didn't think people would be upset about that? The thing that a lot of people have got frustrated about is um, this wasn't like they were going to make this league a thing that people could join. Right. So like, 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 oh, yeah, somebody you... moved up in the standings in their other league. They could enter the Super League and be like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah, or go down, or go back down. So, like, the yeah. issue for me is that. So, first issue is I'm I'm a West Ham supporter. I grew up on the same train line that goes past the stadium. That's how that works. I support West Ham. We're doing very well this year. We're seventh at the moment. So basically, we would have been top of the league. But you're then going to play with an asterisk because you're like we're top of the league, but we're only top of the league because those six aren't playing. And then the other thing, and people have got really upset about this, is that Leicester, Leicester Town, which is a premiership football club, have invested as much money as possible. Like, there were bins at the stadium where you could deposit more money so that Leicester could put more money into players so that they could go and win. And they brought themselves up into the premiership and they won the league last year. They won the league. They did really well. They've brought themselves up and made themselves a name in this thing. And not only one did a billionaire turn around from Leicester and turned around and said, I want to buy the team, which is what's happened with these top six teams is they're not owned by wherever they were before. They're owned by rich billionaires. FIFA went, no, because we don't want any more billionaires owning clubs. So Leicester were like, what? So no one can buy us? Right. We're not allowed to be it's a bought. A bunch of crap, man. Um, and then they're like, "Well, one, you wouldn't let anyone buy us, so our players had to deposit five pound notes to try and buy certain players so that we could stay in contention." And two, you said that a billionaire couldn't come along. Like we won, in, we won the league. We won the league last year. Why aren't we even invited into this conversation? Into the Super League conversation. Yeah, yeah. it just sounds like. I mean, first of all, it sounds like Premiership Soccer needs a salary cap of oh, yeah. some sort. One second. While you guys talk about that, I'm going to have to go and grab my charger because I'm on 2%. Yeah, it's, 
It's yeah. like you're talking about with the NHL, like doing a soft cap and like a uh, what would you call it? Like a luxury tax. Luxury tax. Oh yeah. yeah, luxury tax the shit out of the top leagues. Right. Are the top teams, and then what are they going to do? Create their own league? Just kidding. FIFA has just laid out a whole ban a program bil- for you. <laughs> a billion pounds. That's insane. A, on one team, a billion pounds. That's like that's like one even if, even if billion even if Canadian that's, dollars. Even if that's an over exaggeration, that's ridiculous that you would even be able well, to come up with a number close to that. Let's look it up. Why? 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 Just because you want to be the best, you're not. You know, the New York Yankees are the same. They just go, oh well, we're just gonna buy everyone. Like I don't. I I always will will say that I do see the benefits of a salary cap, but I need I, I see the benefits of a luxury taxed soft cap where you go, all right, you know, eighty million dollars is the maximum salary cap. However, if you go over that, you have to pay double the amount that you go over. So if you go over by seven million dollars, you have to pay fourteen million dollars. Right? You go over by fifteen million dollars, you have to pay thirty million dollars, right? Like that's the concept of a luxury tax. So, okay, let let's do that, and then yeah, let's this do is that. just yeah. astronomical. Let's do that in the in the Premiership because obviously these six teams are always at the top. It doesn't matter who they play. And they think they're so good that they can just do this extra bit. Yeah, that's I I, I dislike that. I think we top, should. Yeah, the top so, top guy in the EPL makes thirty one point two million pounds a year. He makes six hundred thousand pounds a week. Yeah, that's that's that that's not like stupid money. It's a joke. That's okay, that's that is okay. that is stupid money. So that's th- fucking unbelievable. This is the biggest one that will make you laugh. It's more than most NFLers. So if you are if you are in the top league in the if you're in the Premiership, right? Every <laughs> year you're in the Premiership, you get 120 million pounds in like TV rights, which is great because if you're a lower team, that basically pays for the the, the team. That's that's how that works. The problem is, is that if you're them in the championship, which is a league below, you only get three million pounds a year, and you have to stay in the Premiership for a year to get that 120 million pounds. So Luton Town, which is Bell's dad football club, went up. They went into the Premiership and they were playing against teams with minimum 80 to 120 million pounds in payroll, with a team that was put together for 3.5 million. And then they got relegated, and everyone was like, "Shocking! Uh, how did that happen? Like, really? Oh, no. The se- the seventy seven million pounds in missing payroll didn't cause a problem. Yeah, that's why salary caps are so important. Well, yeah, exactly. One hundred twenty million pounds per team for TV rights. There's your salary cap. One hundred twenty million pounds. Makes sense. And then you, and then if you want to spend over that, you have to pay double, right? You want, yeah. you know." 
you okay 120 million you want to pay a, you, you go 150 million all right that's 30 million dollars over the salary cap 60 million dollars is your tax yeah i mean it sounds like they can piss away money to anything and literally so i mean yeah. you might as well just tax the shit out of them but then what yeah. do you what do you like because what are they going to do at that point right what are they going to say oh we're not going to play we're not going to we're going to protest like we're going to start another league you already tried that didn't work so like yeah screw off and then so- that luxury that luxury tax money could not only go to lower level teams in the premiership that could also then help out champions league teams give them a bit more money and boost them up and see and then you'd see more circulation of teams throughout both leagues anyways so i think we've solved soccer what a shame let's move on to another pressing let's move on to another issue and i'm going to uh i'm going to i'm going to screen share for this because the women's world championships on wednesday were announced uh that they were canceled women's world hockey championships this is the second year in a row that they have been canceled. However, the IIHF and Hockey Canada have vowed that they are working to keep the um, keep the uh, well. They want to play it sometime, and they're saying that they want to play it in the summer. Well, I'm sorry, but the main well, sorry. Uh, before I get into that. Apparently, the main reason why this was canceled was not actually because of the IIHF or Hockey Canada. The government of Nova Scotia is concerned of the rising cases of COVID in Nova Scotia, which, by the way, uh, has, the last time I checked, which was on Wednesday, 79 active cases in the entire province of Nova Scotia. Uh, Well, and this player lays out every single safety measure. She does. And I I, want to read bits of it that's why it's on the screen but so uh, there you know they had 25 new cases so they were almost doubling in cases which is fair understandable now like like sean said jill saunier was the first hockey canada member uh, to come out with a statement some usa hockey members had already come out with statements some very very aggressive um Kendall Coyne Schofield has since come out with a statement as well, but um, uh, Alex Cavallini and Amanda Kessel were two notable uh, Team USA members who came out pretty, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sorry. aggressively the with this. USA doesn't get to say anything. Nobody from um, the US gets to say fuck all about this. Sorry, that, that, that pisses me off more than anything. I don't care if, um, if Canadians come out and are sad about it. Americans have absolutely zero right to say anything about this situation. That's it. So, well, anyway. I will say I will say that the American players have done the exact same things to protect themselves before coming here. Yeah, no, I don't care. The association um, with just being American during this entire thing is just ridiculous. You don't get to say anything. Well, you don't get to have an opinion on Canadians and the government and the way they're dealing with things at all. We'll deal with it the way we're going to deal with it which is the complete opposite the way they've dealt with it. And we'll go from there. So Right. Well, let's not bring in the politics of, of all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, they um, mix in. Well, in this specific situation, they kind of do uh, because it was the government that uh, decided to uh, move this along. 
Now, the issue is that this was a very last minute decision. It was 5.30 in the morning when a lot of players woke up to get on a flight, of specifically American players who woke up at 5.30 a.m. to get on a flight to Nova Scotia to enter this bubble. Uh, and at 7.30 a.m., they were told that they were no longer getting on that flight because the tournament had been canceled. Um, so th this was a decision made in hours because, uh, and to me, it, it doesn't make sense. Now, like Sean said here, Jill Saulnier was the first to come out with a statement and she's outlined a lot of the uh, safety measures that every player from every country had been going through to make sure that they were safe. Um, you know, they, so the Canadian players are already in Nova Scotia. They've been practicing in Nova Scotia. They quarantined for eight days in Nova Scotia. And as you can see, private rooms, tests daily, doors shut, Zoom calls only. They were not allowed basically to leave their hotel room, which is what a quarantine essentially is. They had food delivered to their doors. They were they, I mean, they had a, you know, you have an ensuite bathroom and a hotel room. So they did not leave their rooms. They didn't go outside. They basically didn't, you know, they, they basically didn't do anything. Uh, five negative COVID tests for every one of them. Today being Wednesday, they were going to find out who was going to make the team. Um, so training camp had been, training camp was wrapping up. There were 60 players there. And they were ready Wednesday morning to find out who was going to be on Team Canada for the World Championships that was supposed to start May 6th. And they're now being told to head home. Can we just talk about for a second before we go into the, the depths of this? But the, the dedication of those, those, those girls, 60 of them, to basically be in solitary confinement for eight days before even knowing if they were on the team. So and that's, you, and, and that's you, not just, that's not just Canadians. That's that, every yeah. team that was coming to this world championship, the Americans eight days of isolation before getting on this flight. That's eight days without training camp. So they, they had their training camp and then isolated for eight days so that they could come to Canada. And that's the Swedish team, the Finnish team, Every team that was coming here uh, did that quarantine for eight days. And on the eighth day, when they were ready to board a plane to come to Canada to enter the bubble, they were told, oh, actually, no, it's canceled. And Jill Sonia is from the province of Nova Scotia. As you can see, she's disappointed in the decision to rob us of this dream. It's the second year in a row this tournament's been canceled. Women at the IIHF international level have not played a tournament since the beginning of 2020, which was the U18 World Championships, which was woefully undercovered in the first place. There were barely any fans in the stands. Tickets were barely sold. And there weren't even suitable cameras to film most of the round robin and even the quarterfinals. Uh, at these 2020 World uh, U18s, uh, there was a big fuss made of that. And finally, the IIHF stepped in and made something happen. 
but it wasn't until people got upset. People have been getting upset since 2020, and they still refuse to do anything about it. Now, two things that I've heard about this that make me very unhappy. First of all, this apparently was not structured as airtight as the bubble in Edmonton was for the World Juniors in December. This was not structured in the same way, which, first of all, how do you not structure it exactly the same way you structured the safe World Junior Hockey Championship bubble in December? How do you not do that? So that, to me, is on Hockey Canada and, uh, and the IIHF. Then the second thing is that there's no backup plan. There's the, when the U18 Men's World Championships was going to be told that they were going to shut down, the IIHF already had, the, had a backup plan to move them to Texas and they're gonna they're already on the ice. Our Canadian under 18 year olds right now are in Texas practicing and skating for the U18 World Championships happening in Texas next week. They start right. April 28th. Next now, week. Now wasn't wasn't there an article that came out uh, about something to have these guys also move to Dallas, possibly? Uh, that's been floated around. There's a couple of things that have been floated around. I don't know how official any of it is because Hockey Canada and the IIHF have basically just said, we're working on it. Like, here's the thing. Um, and the other like, thing, Sean, before you start, the other thing about going to the States is that apparent, according to Ray Ferraro, USA Hockey has to bid to take over. It, w- it can't just be, oh, we're moving them to the States now. USA Hockey has to agree to it, which no, I, don't like an emergency see, I don't see why they wouldn't. And, but. Right, right. See, okay, I have a ton of mixed feelings about this because I get it. You're upset. You haven't played hockey in how long. It keeps getting canceled. I've also been out of a career for, you know, over a year now. Haven't been able to do theater. Can't have any of that no matter where. Okay, even in the States. Can't even do it on Broadway. Now they're slowly opening there a little bit. And so, yeah, I feel bad that you can't do this. But at the same time, I understand the strict measures when you have a third wave coming. We don't have the vaccine supplies that we need. And so they're trying to be as careful as possible because do you trust 60 individuals to be as safe as possible during this entire thing? Maybe, but also that's proven to not work. So, unfortunately, sometimes you have to just be like, you know what? Sorry, we can't do this. Regardless of how safe you're being, it's it's done. Because one person gets a variant or whatever this double variant is now that they found. And, and suddenly you have a huge issue in another province. And you really don't want that. So, like, I get that part of things of, like, canceling it. I don't like the double standards, though, of how the IHF deals with women compared to the men's leagues. It's the dumbest crap. If, if you're not going to have it in Nova Scotia with this safe bubble, all these protocols, uh, you're not going to do it like you did the men's World Juniors, then have the backup plan at least to do it in the states where you can do it, where they're okay with this going on. They have the vaccine supplies to vaccinate millions of people per day and have been, and the rates have been slowing. So... There's a lot of emotion here, and I get it. It's it's 
hard for for so many people in different industries um and it, i don't know man like it's unfortunate i i, I just I'm giving the U.S. players a lot of flack because I I really don't think you you deserve to have an opinion on this. I get you're in the same position, kind of, but you're also coming from a country that really well, how how do you trust any of these guys? Don't don't get into that, Sean. It's okay. This now you're me, gonna piss off people. <laughs> the thing for me is, is that this just I, I don't understand. I don't understand the planning. Yes. Is, is the bit that gets me is that this is, this is where this has been let down is that again, again, is it's a pandemic. We all need to learn now that until we can all sit down and go, COVID's gone, COVID's gone. You need to have backup plans. You just yeah. do. So, Okay, you can't do it in Nova Scotia. Now, the decision there, that is the decision that's been made. We can argue with that till the cows come home, but that's not our decision. Yeah. The decision to have a backup is completely within the well within the realms of possibility. You know, there is what do you need to create a COVID bubble? You need a hotel that can serve people food. Now, I guarantee at the moment there's some hotels free. And then you need some ice hockey rinks that aren't being used at the moment that are going to be able to deal with the amount of games that you need to have going on at the time. So what has happened here is that, okay, yes, with the best will in the world, you want this to go on somewhere that's prepared for it because then they can have the media broadcasting facilities ready and everything's ready. Great. If that fails... I don't see how difficult it would be for a group of people to find a hotel that could manage this amount of people because I'm sure that if you turn around to a hotel right now and went for the next four weeks, you are going to have guaranteed business. Three meals a day, guaranteed business, and oh, also we're going to need to use your gym no matter how poor it is or anything like that. We'll bring things to upgrade it, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. We'll, fine. we will pay the blanket fee, which for most hotels, they haven't received any money in a while. Yeah. We're going to give you four weeks of... Get, four to, you know, maybe six weeks, give them a week before when people are arriving, whatever. Six weeks of guaranteed work. And oh, yeah, I, this ice hockey rink down the road, we're going to give you six weeks of guaranteed time where you need to have people employed at the rink to run this. Okay, we can't broadcast it. Damn, what are we going to do about that? Right, we can't broadcast it with professional quality cameras because we can't fly the crews in. We can't justify that. Fine. Can we live stream it on YouTube? How difficult is that to do? What do we need? Bunch of DSLRs plugged into some laptops. It's not going to be the best thing in the world, but people can watch the tournament. Yeah, it's... The, the, this is this is the real issue about it is that you, come, you, you know, sit on a laptop, find a hotel, call a, you know, call a hotel, and say you know, find a hotel that within a mile or two has got a hockey rink. I'm sure finding those two things, a hotel and a hockey rink in Canada, is probably quite like you know, walking into a 
trying to find an adjective. <laughs> in North America, it's pretty easy to find. You, yeah. you'll, you'll even find some yeah. bigger but the problem is with clearly the the IAHF doesn't care about yeah, women. Right, and this and this is the major is the issue. problem. It is the major is, problem, and I and yeah. I get it. I get all the girls coming out and talking and, about that. And, and this like, is what they're saying, and this is really what uh, Kendall Coyne has said in the second half of her statement right, here. Right. You know, should our staff be should our staff be prepared to tell their families and jobs that they may be packing up for another potential thirty one days if new dates are sawed out? Right. Like, there's no contingency plan here whatsoever. Well, yeah, but it's like I don't understand how you can make any sense. do this in a pandemic. There was a contingency plan for the world juniors. There's been a contingency plan for the U18 men's. There's been a contingency. There's a contingency plan probably in the works for the men's nationals, the, 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 the men's world championships that are supposed to start in June. Um, because there's been NHL players that have already talked about being excited to go to that. It's Where just, are the contingency plans for the women's? You're telling me that you couldn't have any kind of contingency plan for the U18 Women's World Championship, such a which small was cancelled? Such a small amount of effort. I guarantee you, yeah. give me an afternoon with a laptop. I could find a hotel. I could find a hockey rink. I could find a bus company service that's willing to drive people from one place to another. And, okay, the issue there is finding media, but I guarantee you in that city there is some kind of production company that hasn't worked in a year that goes fucking hell we've got fucking loads of dslrs around and we're used to live streaming some kind of content or even if they are they'll figure it out but they go we've never streamed hockey before can you point a camera at a rink press play and put it on youtube there you go that's if if that's where you end up Okay, fine, you've failed. But if I think that between the three of us, we could figure that out in an afternoon. <laughs> You're very ambitious. Well, yeah. Call Hey, I'm going to give you, you know, we're going to, we've got a party of 250 people turning up who are going to need three meals a day, blah, 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 blah. You could, I, you could probably find a hotel within an afternoon. Okay, then you need to find a hockey rink big enough. It's, it's probably for a team of three to four people, it's a two, maybe three day thing to get it confirmed. Yeah. It could be hosted in Hamilton, for God's sake. Yeah. It's not yeah. that it's not that difficult. Even if then you don't end up using that backup, oh, well, the hotel's just basically got a load of deposits. The hockey rink's got a load of deposits. You probably lose the best part of £15,000. You could get over it. Right, I got. I know. I know. Sean wanted to say something. I'll give you the last point, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up because it's it's been a bit of a uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a bit of an angry ending to the pod. But yeah, no, like I totally understand being upset about the the decision. I get it. Every player, regardless of you know where you're from. The only thing I'm saying is like, in terms of how how governments deal with it, maybe don't say anything about it if you're not from that place. That's it. Uh, but sure. I totally understand the the being pissed off about the double standard, being pissed off about how there is no contingency plan, and being pissed off that it's this last second decision after being quarantined yeah. for so long, and your hopes are just thrown away and yeah. lit on fire and then thrown into the ocean to just sink 
Like, that sucks 100%. And I think that's awful. And the IHF and Hockey Canada and USA Hockey, they all need to do better for women's hockey. They do. Um, and it, and I it, think that's that's like a positive that can come out of this is focusing on growing women's hockey and, and actually giving them what they deserve, which is exactly what the men have gotten this entire time. And yeah. that's the bullshit thing. I'm all for the safety. And, I, and these players are too. They said in all their statements, they're for the safety, they're for public safety, they get it. But knowing the public safety issues, why weren't there other plans? Why weren't there other plans? Like, why can't you go to the states? The states obviously, obviously is way more prepared for this situation currently than we are. And so Just are certain, based off so of are vaccines, certain countries supplies, in Europe. all of that. So are certain right. countries in Europe who would be a part of this tournament, Sweden. So it's just like, why don't you Finland. move the host country around or something? Do yeah. something, change it up. They're so, because they seem so married to this country's hosting now. We, except we don't for need when, it in Canada. Except for when the, the, the men go, uh, because they were just able to move the, the, the U18 men's tournament to Texas uh, when it wasn't even supposed to be in North America. So, uh, and, and the, the, the women's U18 world championships was going to be in Sweden and they canceled those. Whereas Sweden was doing quite well, if, if I remember correctly, in January 2021, were they not? But it, it should just be um, a thing. That people need to realize that they need to be flexible. This yeah. whole thing where they go, you know, if it was me, I would have a Nerf gun with COVID written down the side of the bloody bullets. And if you're having a conversation and you go, right, we can't do... We can't do this tournament anymore in Canada because of COVID. We're going to do it in the US. If the representative from Canada went, we're the host nation, shoot him in the face. With your COVID <laughs> nerf bullet. It, move on. Move on. Yeah, yeah move because on. different different countries, different situations, 100%. And you have to deal with the situation as it comes up. Yeah. And so Canada, so, obviously, Halifax not prepared. And so you have to do something about it, but there's nothing there. They just decided, like, oh, screw it. We'll look at a later date. Like, what? Yeah. When? When the next one's supposed to be? Well, they say they want to do it in the summer. I look forward to seeing it happening this summer. Um, yeah, they could do it there's... outdoors at Lake Tahoe and melt the ice. <laughs> well, and that's another thing. The, the A lot of these athletes have said, we don't really want to do it in the summer because the Olympics are in the summer. So why why yeah, do we want to time? why do we want to conflict with our co with our fellow athletes on their biggest stage right now? So anyways, uh, we'll end it there. We wish better luck next week to the IIHF and uh, figuring out what they need to do with themselves because obviously they need to really sit down and have a think uh, about how they run uh, hockey and, uh, and and international hockey, particularly women's hockey. Uh, that's Gav Sean. I'm Jared. I think that's the first time we've said our names properly on here. Uh, Go we'll, Charles see you, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>